If you were to ask everyone you know, I think they would all agree that love must be central to marriage. So the question we need to ask becomes this, what kind of love? What kind of love leads to and promotes a healthy marriage? Well, the Bible shows us. It tells us that love must be Christ-like love. It must be selfless. This is the wisdom journey And here's Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson, The Wedding Day is Here. On our last wisdom journey in the Song of Solomon, we were introduced to a rather love-struck couple, Solomon and his soon-to-be bride. Solomon's love song has allowed us to listen in on their courtship. Now, as we begin our study today, we're in chapter 3 and verse 6. It happens to be their wedding day. And unlike many weddings, uh, it seems to be stress-free, trouble-free. There's no mention of any bridezilla moment. There's no mention of a jealous bridemaid or maybe a late groomsman or even the bride's dad over there in the corner trying to figure out how he's going to pay for everything. Well, what strikes our attention first is the arrival of the groom. Verse 6 says, What is that coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke? perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powders of a merchant. Behold, it is the litter of Solomon. Well, the litter was that shoulder-carried couch of King Solomon. Uh, Solomon has evidently spared no expense to show his bride how much this wedding means to him. His coach is described here in verse 10. He made its posts of silver its back of gold, its seat of purple, its interior was inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Now, keep in mind, this is the getaway car. So Solomon is going to escort his bride away in lavish style. This description reminds me of the carriages used by the royal family whenever they arrived at Buckingham Palace, lavish, gold-covered. Now, chapter 4 opens with a a little speech Solomon has prepared for his bride. He says to her here in verse 1, Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't think of saying that to my bride on our wedding day. Your hair looks like a flock of goats. Well, in Solomon's day, this was a a rather uh, poetic compliment. Mount Gilead is a beautiful mountain range of eastern Israel around the Jabbok River, and it provides beautiful pastures. And a a flock of long-haired goats in green pastures would have made any red-blooded Hebrew man stop and just take in the sight. Well, to Solomon, his bride's hair has made him stop and take in the sight. It just takes his breath away as she walks toward him. Well, he continues his little speech here in verse 2. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes, or female sheep, that have come up from the washing, all which bear twins, and not one among them has lost its young. In other words, she's she's not missing any teeth. She's got a a perfect smile. Evidently, Solomon is not going to need much dental insurance. He continues now here in verse 4. 
Your neck is like the Tower of David, built in rows of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. (laughs) Well, it sounds like she's either dressed up to play football or to go to war. But what what Solomon is saying here, he sees his bride. She's wearing dazzling jewelry around her neck, and he describes it all in terms of of power and and, and dignity and, and honor. Now, up to this point, Solomon hasn't used uh, the word bride at all. But beginning here in chapter 4 and verse 8, going all the way through chapter 5 and verse 1, he's going to use that term six times. That signals now a change in their relationship. You see, now the courtship is over. uh, The wedding ceremony is completed. Uh, One of the bridesmaids has probably edged her way to the front to catch that bouquet, but I can tell you this, Solomon's mind is now somewhere else. He describes his bride in verse 12, a garden locked is my sister, my bride, a spring locked, a fountain sealed. These are references to his bride's virginity. This is a wonderful wedding gift to any husband today, as is the husband's virginity to his wife. Well, here in this section, you'll notice that Solomon uses nearly a dozen different garden metaphors to describe the moment of consummation. He uses poetry, and he uses it in order to write with discretion. Uh, This here, beloved, is not off-color. This isn't vulgar in any way. This is certainly how God intended it to be. God created this. In fact, the book of Hebrews says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, Hebrews 13, verse 4. Well, at this point, Solomon's wife makes it clear the garden gate is now unlocked, so to speak. And she says here in verse 16, let my beloved come to his garden. In other words, she is entirely his and he is entirely hers. This is what the Lord meant in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 when he said of a husband and wife, they shall become one flesh. This is what he had in mind. Now, as we arrive here in chapter 5 and verse 1, Solomon uses past tense verbs. In fact, four of them. He says here, I came to my garden, I gathered, I ate, I drank. So these verbs not only communicate sexual union, but also contentment, closeness, commitment. Well, now with that, the marriage is consummated, and we read here at the end of verse 1 that their friends start singing, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. Now, in the ancient Hebrew culture, it was customary for the wedding party to stick around celebrating until the marriage had been consummated. Uh, That would be rather awkward for us today, but it was the custom back in that day to signify that all uh, was well. Well, let's let's leave the marriage bedroom uh, and, and let's take some time to step into God's throne room. The Holy Spirit led Solomon to write a celebration of the marriage bed, but there's a broader illustration here of God's love. For us. In fact, you can't find a better picture of the love a bridegroom should have for his bride than what we find in the love of Jesus Christ for his bride, the church. 
Paul writes in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. He adds in verse 32, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it, that is marriage, refers to Christ and the church. And let me tell you, beloved, this kind of self-sacrificing love is humanly impossible. That's why Solomon wrote a psalm that's been recorded for us over in Psalm 127, where he puts it rather plainly in verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Let me tell you, the most important thing you could ever do for your marriage is love the Lord. Love the Lord, and the Lord will enable you to love your spouse and then build your home on the strength of your Lord and Savior. The Lord Jesus is the one who makes possible both that vertical love for God and that horizontal love for your spouse. So let me sum this up with two statements. First, Jesus makes true love possible. That's because he shows us how to love. Just read uh, his life. Read about his life in the Gospels, how he demonstrated humility and, and sacrificial love. You won't find that kind of example anywhere on television or social media or at work or at school. This is unique love. This is the unique love modeled by the Lord for us when he died for us. Secondly, Jesus not only makes true love possible, he also makes true love permanent. The Apostle John wrote it this way, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, because God is love, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. His love is permanent. The very nature of the Lord is love. And when you love your spouse like the Lord loves you, you have every hope in the world that your marriage will last a lifetime. Now, it might not because it does take two people committed to the same Lord and the same kind of love, but you're making sure you're doing your part. Now, if you're demonstrating sacrificial love in your courtship, your engagement, your wedding ceremony, and your home, you're actually building a path toward the Lord or a path that includes the Lord rather than away from the Lord. And that will make all the difference in the world. Well, until our next wisdom journey together, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson, The Wedding Day is Here. Stephen has one more lesson to go from the Song of Solomon, and we'll bring you that on our next episode. One of Stephen's passions is training and equipping men and women for service to God. That's why he founded and serves as the president of Shepherd's Theological Seminary. Learn more about online or in-person options by visiting wisdomonline.org and using the link at the bottom of that page. Then join us next time along this wisdom journey.